welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined this morning by Lawson and... Renee! And not Lyle. Lyle, Lyle. is not here. He's not going to be with us for this week. Mm. And a couple days into next week, he's currently up in Queensland at the Logan Reserve uh, Adventist Church, preaching evangelistic series, doing God's work. But that means that we actually get to enjoy ourselves and <laughs> spend time here without him. No, I just joke. I just no. joke. We love and deeply miss Lyle, but mm-hmm. now, now it's us. Now it's, it's us. It's... It's the Lawson and It's Renee good to show. be back, Lawson. Yeah. And, and, and co-hosting with you. Yeah. What are you grateful for, actually? This morning, I am grateful for um, uh, the fact that I finished this semester, the assignments for this semester mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of study. So now yeah. it's just the exams and then home run, I'm finished this degree. So I'm very, That's, very wait, grateful. Wait, is this your... This is my final semester. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the next half of the year, I'll be working. But finally... You're going to be a pastor. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> that's epic. Yeah. Good for you. Shout out, Renee. Congratulations. That's a, that's incredible. Thank you. It's so, been a long journey. So this is your your fourth fourth yeah. year. Yeah. Now, yeah. are you finishing early or are you? No, because I did start mid semester, so ah, it just okay. worked out that I finished now. Yeah. Oh, what a gun. That's epic. Yeah. Or right, check it out. Check out what I'm grateful for. What are you grateful I for, I accidentally, Lawson? this weekend, I accidentally did 15 hours worth of depression recovery oh. and uh, and optimize your brain uh, facilitator and associate director training. <laughs> and I'm now qualified in both. Very nice. Very <laughs> uh, nice. And basically how that happened accidentally was that my friends invited me. Oh, yeah. There's a depression recovery thing tonight you should come along to. And then I rock up and they're like, okay, so the next following 15 hours of training is going to involve this. I am so grateful, though. Like, I, I stuck around uh, the whole time and now I am qualified to do those. So. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. What are we looking at in terms of good news today? Well, there's plenty of stories to choose from. Mm-hmm. I do want to start with this story, mm-hmm. um, which I think is amazing. A man um, who had actually lost both of his arms and his shoulders. Oh, um, he has been able to, um, through surgeries, has been able to make some advancements, I guess, in his health, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to medical science. So I just want to run through his story real quick. It was a very cold morning in night. 1998, when um, this electrician, Felix Gretesen, he sent out to repair a power cable in his native Iceland. Mm-hmm. So this is a routine job for him. Um, mm-hmm. The only problem was there was a miscommunication with him and his colleagues about which line he was supposed to be working on. And so at the top of the pylon where he was, Gretesen, he grabbed a live wire by mistake. So unfortunately, 11,000 vo- volt surge uh, hur- hurled him to the ground frozen ground below and it was a 10 meter fall which broke his neck his back in three places uh to, unfortunately to make things worse his arms were on fire but luckily um uh, luckily he uh, you know uh, it's a it's terrible terrible luck is that that day he landed near a river uh, in his fall and so his his colleagues uh, quickly uh, ran to the river got some filled their helmets with water and came to put out the fire 
and uh, uh, to extinguish the flames. Gretison says that he remembers lying there waiting for the ambulance and feeling pain in his belly because his body had shut everything else off. And he was put to sleep when he got to the hospital and he woke up three months later with no arms. Mm. And that's pretty, that's a, that's a tragic loss to wake yeah. up with that and to realize that realization. Not only that, things got worse before they got better. Um, those surgeons initially amputated Gretison's arms just above the elbows. Infections forced them to keep taking more of what was left, stopping mm. at the shoulders. And he says that he, they were chopping me down piece by piece for the next 11 months, he says. His doctor said in those first years, he had 54 operations. Oh, intense. Man, um, Gretison says that it was hard to fathom how someone might confront such trauma. Mm. And, you know, how did he do it? Yeah, therapy, yes. Therapy uh, was shutting it. And, and his therapy was shutting down the the loss and the pain and the sorrow of his of his losing his arms and and his health and just being dependent mm. on someone again um it was shutting, he was shutting it down with drugs and alcohol and general destruction for the next few years mm. which which you know it, it makes sense uh f- for for him i guess um but he realized, you know, he got to a place where, um, his health, prof- the health professionals, the health team were like, you know, you're either going to be dead or you have to do something about this. And Alcoholics Anonymous helped him turn things around. That's an ep- that's epic. It is. It is. Mm. Unfortunately, his actions did have consequences. He, his dr- drinking put his liver already frazzled from the accident in a mm. difficult, uh, di- difficult place. And to, to put it out, to point it out, he required a liver transplant now. Mm. Now the liver transplant, the first one, it failed. So he had to have another one after two months. And now the procedure opened Gretison's mind to the possibilities that offered about transplants. Hey, um, and so with eager eyes, he followed the news of the world's first hand transplant in mm. 1999. Um, and so by chance, the physician who, who did that procedure, the hand transplant for someone else, he visited Iceland in 2007 and led a lecture about transplants. And by then his team had also conducted the world's first face transplant, which was actually something I looked up on Google because I was pretty interested in that. Mm. Um, the world of you know medical science and all those transplants. Um, Gretison he tracked uh, du, du Bernard down at his hotel and the physician agreed to review his case. Mm. So news of a of the world's first double arm transplant in Germany a year later gave Gretison more cause for optimism. He moved to Lyon to be nearer to doctors, which he had put his hopes in. So he came to France. He, he moved over to France. Um, but, you know, he says that I came to France for arms, but now I have so much more. In Lyon, in France, Gretison joined a meetup group to brush up on the international language of medicine, which is English. Mm-hmm. In these classes, he met a yoga teacher from Poland called uh, Sylwaya, who he fell in love with. And he is, with, he is now married. They have two dogs and they have a very nice life. Mm. Um, he's at the end. After meeting, uh, his his now wife, he stopped waiting for the r- phone to ring and he decides to live on with his life. Mm. Um, but the phone eventually did ring. In January of this year, 2021, the doctors called to say there was a suitable donor had been found and they wanted to go ahead with his procedure. And so Gretison became the recipient
recipient of the world's first double arm and shoulder transplant. Surgeons hailed it a success, um, but with three years of re- rehabilitation ahead of him, it remains to see how much movement that Gretison is able to recover. If he can re- um, recover, possibly to actively bend his elbow. That would that would be a life changer. That's that would be that would be a world first as well. That that's amazing. Yeah. Like, okay, so if they say it's a success, well then the body would have had to accept the arm. Yes, and there would have to be blood and and circulation going through the arm, yeah. and which realistically makes it possible that he will be able to move. Move, hopefully, yes. That's insane. In fact, he says that he can feel the nerves from his elbows in both arms, and that's not supposed to be happening so far. Uh-huh. The hair is growing, his nails are growing, like. He's, yeah, his wife is, you know, very happy, um, and he's very happy to see this kind of growth and change. And that is amazing! What a turnaround! Yeah, I love how it highlighted that you know his time in Alcoholics Anonymous as well. Yes, uh, yes. you know, founded uh, and basically. Every Alcoholics Anonymous program around the world consistently, you know, using the Bible and Christian themes to help people get out of their dark places. And what a dark place he was in! But now, mm. man, things are turning around. That's amazing. Goodness, yeah. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have a look at some some news today. I read this this morning and I was like, wow, okay, we are seeing the, the, the turn, the, 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 the tables turn, as you will, um, about basically people, Christians, cancelling the publishing of a Bible. Christians doing that? Christians cancelling the publication of a Bible. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, okay, so uh, when you hear that, when you hear that statement, it's a little bit, you know, the word is clickbaity. It's like uh, that doesn't represent the whole situation. Essentially, uh, a publishing company, uh, you know, a, a custom-based Bible seller, uh, marketing firm Elite Source Pro has come up with a Bible called the God Bless the USA Bible. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, God Bless the USA. Its symbol is like a, an American flag with this crucifix in the middle. It's it's very, very intense, very, uh, yes, nationalistic. Now, this Bible, it contains a patriotic song, uh, the Declaration of Insta- Independence, the Constitution, and other national documents. It's it's run into trouble in the Christian community. Now, it's not a new thing. Like, I, I guess the initial thought is just like, oh, are people against, you know, adding stuff to the Bible? Mm. Which is which is true. Like, we should be against adding things to the Bible, but it's not uncommon that you find Bibles with commentaries in them. And themes. And, and themes and, and these kinds of things. Yeah, mm. um, even even on the nationalistic side, I've seen Australia Bibles before, 100%. Mm. You know, I've seen army-based Bibles, all these kinds of different Bibles. But, but this Bible in particular, and why it's being, you know, targeted, uh, is be- basically because of politics and the political landscape that we see in America at the moment. Ah, uh. Okay. Well, well, pretty much like the, the. Is it leaning towards like the left or the right? Or well, it's very nationalistic. Okay. This is this is the thing that people are very worried about. So, uh, Zondervan and HarperCollins, who are two of the biggest publishing companies, uh, you know, biblical public, uh, well, religious publishing companies. Yeah, in have, the world, I have a bible of from both those companies. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I have like uh, you yeah. know books, everything. Yeah, heaps of Christian literature comes through these companies that a lot of people will own. Mm. Uh, uh, essentially, there was a petition started asking them, um, petitioning them to not publish this Bible. And it's from the perspective of Americans. It's from other Americans making this point, do not publish this Bible. And the reason is uh, they are very heavily advocating against Christian 
nationalism and okay. Christian American nationalism. Now, nationalism, you know, uh, has been a big point of contention in the United States, particularly during the, the Trump administration. Now, nationalism is in and of itself to be, you know, nationalistic. The concept isn't bad or wrong, you know, to say like, oh, I want my country to succeed. Dude, I want Australia to succeed 100%. Mm. But people were using nationalism during that period of time uh, that, you know, there are extreme radical nationalists who were, you know, very anti-immigration and all these different things that uh, in the world that we live in today is not kind of seen uh, as 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 accepting and whatnot. And there's, I don't want to get into the politics of it heavily because there's so much we could get into. Well, in general, like, like, because I'm not as familiar with this. Mm. What is what is the problem with um, American nationalism? Well, it, essentially, like, I think the big problem that people see with it is that it, it creates divisions and barriers in America. Okay. Like, it, it creates a, a group of people who are, like, rad- radically nationalist to the point where... Like, extreme? Yeah, extreme. yeah, yeah. Very, like, extreme, essentially. Mm-hmm. That there are groups of American nationalists who have gone to a, to an extreme with it. Mm-hmm. And we saw the culmination of that, the ultimate culmination of it in, you know, on the 6th of January, where a group, that, that big storming of the Capitol uh, building, yes. you know, from uh, nationalists and uh, as well pro-Trump, People and these people, they were very. I would say they were very much representing the extreme, yeah, uh, of of you know nationalism. And it, it was interesting because as nationalists, they're they're people who very much uphold. They're like, yes, the ideals and the success of our country, yes. And then they kind of storm the biggest, uh, you know, the, the law creating institution yeah, of, the, of yeah. the country. So it was a bit, it was a bit contentious. But essentially, what why people want to get this Bible shut down is because they're like, look, you're giving nationalism, extreme nationalism, uh, religious precedent to continue to exist and do radical things. And, and that's what was even viewed on the 6th of January when people saw like, when they were storming that, the, the, the building of Congress and whatnot, they're holding in one hand, a pro Trump American flag, uh, anti liberal, anti like, you know, mm. uh, sign in one hand and then the other hand holding a, you know, a, a sign with the cross on it mm. and with Jesus on it. And they're like, look, no nationalism, extreme, extreme ideology and Christ don't mix. Yeah. They're like, no, we don't want to politicize our religion. And, and, and that's the thing I think in a different context that God bless America Bible wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Yeah. You know, these, these documents as well, the declaration of independence is a beautiful thing. Mm. You know, it, it was, in fact, it was created to do away with religious persecution. Mm. Uh, the, the American constitution, you know, patriotic hymns, all these things. Mm. It's like, because, because I believe in, in, in a lot of ways, like God has blessed America. Mm. God has blessed Australia. God has blessed a lot of countries and we can be proud of the way that God has worked in particular nations. Yeah. But because of the politicized nature of nationalism, what we're seeing today, it's a bit, it's a bit risque. And so ultimately, uh, Zondervan and HarperCollins have pulled out. They won't be publishing this Bible. And I guess we'll see going forward, uh, what, what remains if it just gets completely canceled and done away with or, or not. All right. Quickly in the last couple of minutes I have, we just, ha- oh, I just had to report on this. In fact, producer Shell over the weekend was telling me all about this and how she wanted me to talk about this. Uh, the passing of BJ Thomas. 
Thomas. Now, mm. for those of, uh, you know, who are particularly musically inclined or maybe a part of the older generation, they would know the name BJ Thomas, one of the biggest pop singers in the 60s and 70s, releasing songs like Hooked on a Feeling, Raindrops Are Falling on My Head. Like, these are huge international multi-platinum hits that you will hear in movies that you would like I still have cultural relevance today now of course it, we wouldn't be talking about him on faith fm if it was just if he just did this and it just stopped there unfortunately like his story has an amazing turn you know, in, in the 1970s, he's a big pop star. And for many people who are part of the industry, particularly in famous positions, fell into heavy drug addiction, heavy alcoholism. And during that time, it was actually his, his wife and some people around him who turned him towards Christianity. Uh, to which he became sober. He, got, you know, got off his got off drugs, and basically after that became one of the most successful Christian singer songwriters uh, in history. He recorded and released the first ever platinum Christian album, and you know these themes would would come up in his music about how God has really saved him from a life of struggle and desperation and and fame and all the negatives that come from that, and has brought him to Christ. Really, really powerful and awesome stuff. He would also go on to be uh, one of the most successful uh, in in terms of critical acclaim in the Christian world as well, winning four out of the seven Grammys that he was non- nominated for during wow. his stint releasing music. So, yeah, really, really awesome stuff mm. that he did and, and contributions that he made to the Christian world. And it's unfortunate now that he's he's passed away, but definitely an amazing legacy to leave behind. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, we have our interview section now, and joining us, joining us on the phone is Dr. Mark Harwood from CMI Creation Ministries International. They do a few different Ooh. things. They have an awesome website. They also release a magazine called Creation Magazine. Dr. Mark Harwood, are you there with us now? I am indeed. Good morning. Oh, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Now, you are, let me just ask you an, an initial question. What is your specialty in? Like, you know, you're part of Creation uh, Magazine, creation.com, CMI. But what, what do you, what do you specialize in? What do you, what do you, uh, what are you qualified in? Well, on my uh, professional career before working for CMI was in the aerospace industry. I designed communication satellites. Wow. But I guess I've had a bit of an interest in in uh, astronomy. So mm-hmm. I suppose that's really where my fascination lies. But, you know, in CMI, all of our speakers have to be pretty well versed in the basics of biology and geology and mm-hmm. all sorts of – and theology <laughs> because <laughs> the issue of origin seems to cut across so many different things. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's awesome. I've got like a bunch of questions that I want to ask about, you know, very specific things, things that we've seen recently, you know, lunar eclipses, all these types of things. But I just want to firstly ask, just to give us some big picture perspective, you know, how does our understanding of astronomy relate to the gospel message? You know, why why should we focus in and, and take a look at astronomy itself to reveal, you know, the character of God and, and Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made for us? Yeah, look, that's a great question. I think the uh, the psalmist summed it up really well in Psalm 19 when he said, the heavens declare the glory of God. So when we mm. go outside on a dark, moonless, cloudless night and look up, the stars are absolutely stunning, particularly if you can get out of the main cities, that is. And uh, they declare God's glory. 
But the story that we get told in our secular culture is that they all got there by accidental processes over billions and billions of years. And it's hard to know just on the surface of what people hear, well, what's actually true? Is the Bible true? This says on the fourth day of creation, God made the sun, moon, and the stars. Mm -hmm. It all happened in one day, apparently, but that's totally contrary. So the issue I think that Christians face is, do I believe what God says in his word, or do I believe what secular scientists tell me? And the reason it actually matters is that when we talk about millions of years, every time it places Adam's rebellion, or rather the consequence of that, it places death and suffering before Adam. Mm. And if suffering and death were in the world before God got around to making Adam, then, uh, hey, there's no real reason for Jesus to go to the cross. Wow. So surprisingly, what we think about the heavens and the stars and the world around us actually influences how we receive the gospel and how we understand it. That's why I think it's so important. Mm. Fantastic stuff. I want to I want to hone in on something specifically you said there. The idea of secular science a billion years, you know, secular science would say oh from the research we've done. You know, from the evidence yeah. that we have, it seems as though that the yep. world has been around for, you know, billions of years and that the, the sky and the stars and and that's that's the age but, you know, from that perspective, kind of reconciling those two ideas of of religion and astronomy, are there are there evidences that we see before us in the the astronomical universe when we when we look at it? Is there evidence there that no, we can really trust the Bible and the account that it gives? Yeah, I, I think there is just about everywhere. You know, you, you make very interesting observation there when the secular scientist comes up with his uh, attempts to explain the universe without God, and, and that's what secular science does. He has to have vast periods of time for all the complexity of the universe to have arisen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can't do away with millions or billions of years. But when we read the Bible and look at the timelines that are laid out there, it, the Bible teaches us that the earth and the creation is really only thousands of years old, mm-hmm. which is uh, you know stunningly different. So if that was true, you would expect to find evidence. And uh, because I was trained as an engineer, I looked for evidence. And you know what? The evidence is actually abundant. But we see evidence because of what we already believe. Mm-hmm. So if a secular scientist looks at the world and he believes that it got here by accident without a God, he will always see evidence of vast ages. Um, but when you believe what God says in his word and you look at the world around you, you see, wow, I see evidence for a creator God and he made it all not that long ago. Now, I could give you some examples, for instance. Yeah. Um, when we look at um, we look at our moon, so we talk about the moon a little bit, I hope, because we saw that wonderful eclipse just recently. But, you know, the moon is actually moving away from us very slowly, but it is moving away. And if you wind the process backwards, you could say, well, how long could the Earth-Moon system have ever survived? And it turns out, if you do the numbers, that the Earth-Moon system can't be anything like as old as four and a half billion years. Mm. That's what the secular scientists tell us that it should be. In fact, you get somewhere less than a third of that. So you think, wow, that doesn't fit the evolutionary story. But it's not inconsistent with the Bible's timeline of thousands of years because we don't know where exactly the moon was when God created it on the fourth day of creation week. 
So that's just one little example. But there are many, many others. Um, when we look at uh, our solar system, we see evidence, uh, for instance, the rings of Saturn. Um, they are way, way too clean for um, the, uh, the, the vast ages that are assumed for them. Mm. Uh, they're constantly collecting little bits of uh, microscopic dust and so on. And the, the scientists look at it and they say, wow, how could, how could Saturn's rings be so bright? They should have accumulated lots of dust. Um, it, it doesn't look like they're billions of years old at all. In fact, what they think now is that they've only recently formed and we just happen to live at exactly the right time to be able to see them. So mm. it's like sheer luck. Um, there are lots of other ones. This is another one that uh, I could share with you. Around most of the planets in our solar system, there are lots and lots of moons. The Earth is actually quite unusual in having only one. But the planet Uranus, for instance, uh, has a cluster of moons that are very, very close together, so close that they disturb each other's orbits. And uh, the scientists looked at these and said that they could only have been around for a short time because they're going to collide. Uh, it doesn't fit with the billions of years story. And, you know, you can look, uh, I can go on and on. In fact, there's a great little book that uh, we sell on the creation.com website called Our Amazing Solar System. And it's full of evidence of how we can see just a short age for the solar system. So, and look, um, if people get onto creation.com, there's stacks and stacks of other stuff as well, even in the stars. A lot of people are surprised because we hear only about the billions and billions of years. But there's a lot of evidence, naturally, that shows us that the Bible is actually true. Wow. Okay, Mark, I want to ask you a question that I've kind of thought and had for the last time, uh, for the longest time. It, 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 by the way, excellent information shared there. Like that, it honestly, it makes me happy to hear that this research is being done and that there are, they're coming to conclusions that are, that are biblically consistent and scientifically consistent, you know, that we're not seeing yeah. this uh, dissonance or, or this big difference uh, between, and it's looking at the same evidence. That's powerful. Okay. I want to ask you a, a bit of a question I've thought for the longest, I, I've had for the longest time. You know, we look at our, our solar system that we're in, right? And, and that has yeah. us. And as believers of God, we believe, you know, God created us and our solar system. Um, and then we observe the vast universe around us. And I guess the, the, the question that people have is like, oh, you know, God created us. So are we the center of the universe? Are there, are there all other solar systems like us? You know, what is going on in that space? Are, are we, are we the only one of our kind or because then along with that question comes, oh, is there life outside of our solar system and whatnot? Give us some thoughts and insights on that. You know, what's, what's happening outside of our solar system? Yeah, that is a fascinating question, isn't it? People can't believe that we could be the only intelligent beings in this vast universe. And they think that evolution has happened on the Earth. I don't happen to think it has, but if you think it has, then it seems reasonable that it might have happened somewhere else. Mm. So people spend enormous amount of money searching for life elsewhere. NASA has run major programs. One was called the Kepler Space Telescope. And there have been something like 4,000 different planets that have been discovered orbiting other stars. And, uh, and the list is continually growing. But, you know, what is really remarkable is that these systems of planets that are being discovered are absolutely nothing like our own solar system. 
So mm. you might have heard the view that, you know, our solar system is just a common or garden standard sort of thing. We should see lots and lots of uh, clusters of planets just like ours, but we don't. So much so that, that one uh, astronomer wrote in a, an article the discovery of thousands of star systems wildly different from our own has demolished ideas about how planets form. Astronomers are searching for a whole new theory. Wow. So basically what that's saying is the evidence that they are observing in the outer reaches of the universe um, just doesn't stack up with their model of how the solar system forms. doesn't make sense. But it does make sense when you realise that in Genesis chapter 1, actually just in verse 16, I think, God has this throwaway line. He says, he made the stars also. <laughs> mm. That's all that it gets. So I don't believe there are any intelligent beings anywhere else in this universe other than on this planet because we were made in God's image and the universe was made as a home for us. Mm. Oh, Amazing to think about, isn't it? Yeah, I've actually yeah. heard I've heard that that information before that it's 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 highly probable that there would be, you know, people similar to us, yet we don't see it. Yeah. And it's like how how come? Ah, oh, interesting. Right. Stuff. How come? All right, in the last couple, oh, if you have anything to say, sorry, go for it. Yeah, no, go on, go ahead. Uh, okay, in the last couple of minutes, I wanted to ask a question that just related to recent events that happened. We had the uh, total lunar eclipse last Wednesday, saw a beautiful red moon, saw amazing pictures coming out of that. Uh, do eclipses show evidence of design in our solar system? Like, you know, where does that come from? Is that, is that actually a special thing? I think it really is. I think it's a wonderful evidence of how God has designed our solar system. You see, from the position that we have on the surface of the Earth, the sun and the moon appear to be the same size. And that means that solar eclipses become possible where the moon completely blocks out the light of the sun. But we can also have what we had last Wednesday night when the moon moves through the shadow of the Earth and we get that orangey tint that comes to it. Mm. And it just works in such a beautifully predictable uh, clockwork-like way that it's just evidence that this must have been designed. I mean, what is the chance that the sun would be 400 times further away than the moon is and yet 400 times bigger so it looks like it's the same size in the sky? The chance of that is is almost zero, I think, Mm -hmm. particularly when you look at moons around other planets in our solar system. Typically, moons are way, way smaller than our moon and most planets have lots of moons. But the Earth has got just one, and it's a very big one compared to the size of the planet that it's orbiting, in other words, our Earth. So, And the moon, by the way, controls the tides. And as you would know, the tides cause uh, the waters in the coastal regions mm. to be rich with oxygen so that the life can thrive there in the coastal regions. If the moon was too close, we would have massive tides that would cause destruction on the coast, or if it was too far away, then there wouldn't be enough movement of the water, and so it would become stagnant and not suitable for life. So the moon-Earth system is just a beautiful example of design, and there are lots of other benefits too, actually, when you dig more deeply into it. But I see God's hand of, uh, of beautiful, uh, loving creation everywhere you look, and not only in the world around us, but also out into space in the field of astronomy. Mm, amazing. All right, just in closing, can you just give us some quick information about your ministry, you know, uh, creation.com and whatnot? Sure. Um, creation Ministries International, 
um, is, exists really to proclaim the truth of God's word right wow. from the very beginning. We exist to show people how you can have confidence in the word right from the beginning, why what it says in Genesis matters to the proclamation of the gospel mm. in this very secular world in which we live. But we also provide um, fantastic resources like Creation Magazine. It's written for lay people. So you can get answers to your questions, answers to your children's questions or questions that unbelievers might be asking of you. We often get challenged, you know, uh, all sorts of things. And there's a great book called the Creation Answers Book, which I recommend. And it addresses the most asked questions that Christians and non-Christians alike have. You know, the classic ones like, um, well, how do I know there's a God? And where did all the water go after the flood? And mm. the, the most asked question, I think, is, where did Cain get his wife? It's amazing <laughs> how many times that comes up. Yeah, well, and all of that is answered in the Creation Answers book. So I really encourage people to get onto creation.com. It's a gold mine of faith-building, God-honoring information. Dr. Mark Howard, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.